fake, fake, fakeity fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienna. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about Bill Gates' plan to depopulate planet Earth with my friend Vienna. Hell yeah. I realized as I said that it made it sound like you're working with Bill Gates to do the depopulation. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm a Bill Gatesist. <laughs> Billism Gatesism. <laughs> so I say Gatesist almost uh, sounds too icky, like racist. It's yeah. too close to racist, but I mean, maybe that is suiting given who we're talking about. But <laughs> uh, but how are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. It's yellow plum season. So my favorite fruit is happening right now, and it's things are good. My daughter loves yellow plums as well, so you're in good company. Hell yeah, solidarity with her. Um, yeah, how are you? It's it's uh you know great. We're go- I think we're both uh, going away for a while, which is uh, nice. So uh, I'm looking forward to enjoy that. Uh, I was a bit delayed on our last episode, so there's going to be a quick turnover between episodes, but that's uh, okay. Uh, I was busy with a lot of stuff just so much stuff kids summer doing stuff so uh sorry for the delays but you know constantly occurring yeah (laughs) i should also say uh because we recorded on wednesday of last week and then by the time friday came around which was before i had finished editing the podcast the segment that you had at the end of the show sort of got resolved-esque or at least the hunger strike of uh, the Forgotten 519 is over. So uh, I figured, I, I rather than record a little segment and throw it in the last episode, I figured I would just announce it here. Uh, some success happened. Nice to see a local victory for once. Yeah. And so like I, I didn't read all of the sort of like aspects in which city council sort of signed on to. I know one was there is a stipulation about like removing encampments that... Yes. Uh, it can't. It can only be done if they're say blocking roadways or something like this, but otherwise um, they should be able to stay put. Yes. So, moratorium on encampment evictions, um, setting up uh, permanent spaces in downtown and East End will be looked into, like, with the intention of opening them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They just like need to find a space first, and you know, renovate it or whatever. Uh, and setting up showers and public bathrooms in the downtown and uh, east of Adelaide. So, all good things. You just have to yell at City Hall and then go on a hunger strike and they'll finally listen to you. You just have to have every single organization um, doing care work for the homeless come together and uh, get into a room with City Hall and yell at them for... Uh, I think a day and a half of meetings, um, and then eventually you get some concessions. Yeah, yeah, wild. But I, I you know what? It's great that they did it, and uh, I'm thankful. I, I think our city needs it, and so yeah, I, I think anyone who are, is not in London, uh, look up Forgotten Five One Nine, and maybe you can replicate a similar strategy in your town if you need help with that, and reach out to them. So, uh, yeah. All around a uh, good story, and I figure that would be a good way to start because it's going to be a rough week. <laughs> oh, joy. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. 
I'm a weirdo. This week we're covering August 1st to August 5th. And August 1st is, of course, Civic Holiday in Canada, which not everyone has off. Is it Ontario or Canada? You know, good question. But either way, Ezra took it off. Sort of. He posted a show that he had like pre-recorded with Lauren Gunter, but otherwise didn't do anything else. So it was just an hour-long chit-chat with his friend Lauren Gunter of, uh, you know, Toronto Sun and other stuff. I guess he's written for National Post, I think, as well. But yeah, Lauren Gunter. Uh, for those who don't know, I mean, he's someone who usually is hes a, a climate skeptic, does not believe that global warming is happening. And that's, that's pretty much his beat, which is why Ezra and him are like good friends. Of course, they both come from Alberta, that they have that sort of like affiliation. It's also worth noting that Ezra used to be a part of Toronto Sun. So there's camaraderie there as well. Now, most of the conversation has to do with the Alberta leadership race. And honestly, I don't know enough about the Alberta political scene to gain any insight from their conversation. And so maybe they said something that was like, whoa. But to me, the conversation was really boring and I don't have any insights. Uh, but that <laughs> but that was most of the conversation. So we can just skip over that. Uh, on a more important note about our blessed civic holiday. It's not a statutory holiday in Ontario. It's a municipal holiday. Right. Uh, so it's not paid for. And um, some levels of various government and whatever get it off. Not mandatorily and not in all cities. I know there are some people who do not necessarily work for the government who also get it off. So it's just it's it depends on your company, etc. But yeah. I got it off, yeah. Yeah, my wife had part of it off. Like, she still had to work, but just not the full day kind of thing. But, uh, which is, you know, better than nothing. Better than nothing. But either way. Uh, the other thing that they talk about is, uh, of course, they have to talk about uh, nitrogen and Bill Gates and the World Economic Forum because they want you to eat bugs and most of that, I don't have any clips. It was the same talking points over and over again. We'll have more Bill Gates later, so we might as well just put that on hold. However, at one point, Lorne starts talking about the banning of plastic utensils. And this is what he has to say. Gibo, Stephen Gibo, the, the, the federal environment minister, uh, his department yeah. said this week that, well, if you, you aren't going to be able to use plastic utensils, at uh, food trucks and takeout, use your hands. Use your hands. Like use your hands. How how insane are that? And, you know, and 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 what happens when all of a sudden now you've used your hands, but you haven't been able to sanitize them properly, and you stick all the germs in your mouth along with your taco, and it suddenly uh, visits to the emergency rooms go up. When, when San Francisco banned plastic bags about 10 years, they had a 40% increase in food poisonings at their emergency rooms in the city. And somebody connected it back to the fact that people don't wash the cloth bags that they use right. instead of plastic bags. These people right. just do not ever think how ordinary yeah. people live yeah. their lives. They don't understand yeah. how ordinary people think. They don't understand how yeah. they live. And so they come up yeah. with these grand theories 
that that are absolutely ludicrous. There have been public health campaigns in the past about cleaning certain things. If you go into an employee bathroom at pretty much any workplace, you're going to see a thing about how to wash your hands. Like, they can just put that in, like, the fucking meat section or whatever, being like, hey, wash your cloth bags after bringing home raw meat. That's a good idea. Problem solved. See, Vienno, you just don't understand the ordinary man. <laughs> you, don't, you don't get the ordinary person. You just don't get it. Lauren doesn't get the ordinary person. Everybody wants to eat with their hands. Are you fucking kidding me? Those are God's utensils. I mean, he's obviously, like, contrived some, like, made-up scenario where you're, like, you're out in the middle of nowhere. There's no... I mean... I, even as I'm, like, articulating this, my own hypothetical, I'm like, those food trucks probably have a, a sanitizer squirt. Almost everyone has those nowadays. Like, <laughs> what? Wet naps. <laughs> yeah. The cost of wet naps is going to be cheaper than the cost of plastic utensils and plastic, like, containers as well. Like... No, it's it's incredible. Like, and it's also, it, like, as you put point out, it's like, it's so silly to think that people can't, like learn things like it's almost like it's beyond like they're just ordinary people so they'll never learn hygiene or sanitation and i'm sure most people don't clean their like i've never seen a advertisement saying that like cloth bags are uh you know prone to bacteria growth etc i'm sure if they did a campaign and people were made more aware of it yeah they would start washing them uh that like I, I see i don't see any reason why that's not possible i mean it reminds me too of all the people complaining about roundabouts and just like people won't learn how to use them we can <laughs> meanwhile it's just like any other traffic light or like you know it's just a new thing to learn but somehow like the ordinary people are just not gonna get it jody the average man is a 13-year-old golden retriever. <laughs> you can't teach him new tricks. He's too old. He doesn't get it. He can't hear you anymore. He can't see you. Maybe maybe Lauren Gunter is speaking from experience. <laughs> oh! <Yeah. laughs> oh, Lauren here needs a taco, but I just, you know, I'm just gonna not wash my hands and lick my fingers. He is like the old dachshund that my friend's grandparents had, uh, who lived out, who outlived both grandparents, uh, and ended up almost fully blind, almost fully deaf, rotting from the inside, and if he went down the stairs too fast, he ran into the wall. That's every human. That's everybody. <laughs> That's all of us. We can't, you know, you put the wall too close to the stairs, you're gonna run into it. That's, yeah, it's just, what can you uh, do? it's a law of nature. Yeah, it's how it goes. It's how it's always been. This fits in with their whole narrative about, like, certain careers being, like, genetic. Like, they just, they just have, like, this idea that, like, people can't change. There's not, like, nothing you can do to get people to change their behaviors whatsoever. And yet, like, all you have to do is look at society as it is today and look how it was 10, 20 years ago. Things constantly change, and we adapt and learn. 
I mean, in some things. <laughs> Are you sure about that, Jody? In some things. I think that things have never changed. 9-11 was just a normal day to me. So they fit. I was three. <laughs> well, for you, okay, you know. I was 16. It meant uh, it was a little bit more uh, potent. Now, they finished their conversation with the conservative leadership and, again, uh, the, like, federal conservative leadership race. And they had no insights that are, like, interesting. I think they're both like, yay, Pierre, which seems to be everyone. So I think it's almost inevitable that it's going to be Pierre, uh, according to all the right-wingers that we cover. But who knows? Until they have the vote, it's hard to hard to assess. Now, on August 2nd, so we're back, we're off the holidays... Ezra begins by wanting to cover activists in Victoria, B.C. who are deflating the tires on SUVs. And he begins by saying that they're foreign-funded environmentalists, which, you know, anyone engaged in environmental activism in Canada automatically are foreign-funded, according to him. But this time, he has proof. Okay? Mm. Fiano, are you ready for this proof? Yes, and I'm excited to hear who is funding them. I saw this tweet by a British Columbia journalist over the long weekend. It's a tweet and a picture. The words say, Environmental activist group says it flattened the tires on 34 SUVs in Victoria and Oak Bay, warning this is just the beginning. It claims direct action works. This is not going to end well if one of these activists is caught in the act. Um... So that's in British Columbia. But can you find something odd about the piece of paper in that photograph? I'll read it. Attention, your gas guzzler kills. We have deflated one or more of your tires. Do you see it yet? Tires spelt with a Y. That's not how you spell tires. I don't think. Don't we spell it T-I-R-E? That Y spelling, that, that's British. That's how they spell it in the UK. I mean, they, they have some quirks. They say lorry instead of truck. They say torch instead of flashlight. It's one of those countless tiny wonderful differences between us and the mother country. You know, they don't say stop on a dime. They don't have dimes over there. This was written in London, London, England, not London, Ontario, and certainly not British Columbia. Twas us. We funded. <laughs> you know what? We should bring it back. We should make London, Ontario spell it with a Y as well. <laughs> I, you know, maybe he's onto something. Maybe there's some connection. Maybe it's like Extinction Rebellion in the UK. That's literally is, it, yeah. Is funding them. Or they just got the idea from Extinction Rebellion and just copy-pasted it. <laughs> yeah, no, like that's, yeah. Or oh, typo. you're saying I it, mean the other, <laughs> or it could be a typo. You're saying that the most successful XR group in the English-speaking world might be a motivating factor for XR groups in other countries that speak English. Whoa, and you know, if you really want to trace it back, it probably starts with like the Swedes, because uh, they were the first ones to get in on this, uh, and they called themselves something like. It was nasty. It was like urban Indians or something like that. Like it was like referring to indigenous people type of thing. 
um because they're they're northern europeans what can they do they can't help but be racist um but then also they were just like messing stuff up for like the middle class so i don't really care um yeah because uh andreas malm who wrote that book um how to blow up a pipeline uh he was involved in those actions i i'm surprised the book hasn't come up more on the show i think he brought it up like once and just in passing but yeah i mean like the thing with this too it's like he has nothing to say about this other than like he's like what if like one of these people gets in a car accident <laughs> They, they didn't read they drove away not knowing that their tire was deflated didn't notice it in the first two seconds and then somehow crashed on the like i yeah i didn't notice the note put on their windshield which is what that like whole thing that he read is yeah so we, yeah i mean like the other yeah. thing is he goes on a whole thing about how like these people are more dangerous than tomorrow lich and like the rest of the episode was not 34 that <laughs> SUVs. <laughs> One, why is that national news? That's nothing. Two, like... Oh, no. But Tamara Lich is an old granny. An old indigenous granny, Tamara Lich. <laughs> and then he said oh. it's like the reason why uh, the federal government isn't talking about this and they're not like losing their mind trying to prosecute these people is all because uh, Stephen Gilbo is an eco-terrorist. So that... I wish. Yeah. I wish so much. Yeah, he he did one cool thing, got arrested, became a liberal, well, after forming a liberal environmental group and then became part of the Liberal Party. So, wow. What an eco-terrorist. <laughs> he, yeah, like he didn't even do the thing you know he just dropped a banner yeah like if that's your degree that's eco-terrorism i mean at least spike a tire on like a logging <laughs> let's like, do, do something if more. that's eco-terrorism lock me up baby yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's on the level of someone like graffitiing a cab on like public property like that's that's the level of eco-terrorism here that's just regular terrorism, Jody. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, that uh, there's nothing else to cover. It, it, the, the tire thing comes back again, and we'll, we'll hit it. But uh, that's all he, he really has to do. Nothing too interesting to talk about. Our next segment gets a little weirder. So he has on some guy named Pearson Sharp. Pearson is a employee of the One American News Network, OWN, as they call it. This is one of the ones, with, along with like Newsmax, that is very Trump-supporting, uh, and even more to the right than Fox News, which, you know, given how far to the right Fox News is, pretty surprising. But this guy is on Ezra's show because I guess he did a segment on OWN that had to do with vaccine-related deaths. So I guess rather than talk to an expert, Ezra gets this journalist on to talk about his report. And they don't really talk about his report. I'll just say that up front. But they are going to sort of like speak around it. And the first thing that Ezra start, uh, starts with 
is I guess something came out recently showing what the uh like the the lists of like deaths in Alberta. And so like you know you have like cardiac arrest is usually really high, car accidents. And so he's going to look at the number one death thing that kills you in Alberta and try to link that to vaccines. What you see on the screen right now are the leading causes of death for the last 20 years in the province of Alberta, population four and a half million. And I went through all 20 years, by the way, and you can find this too online pretty quickly. And the top causes of death, they, they move around a little bit, but basically for the last 20 years, it won't surprise you to know that coronary heart disease, cancer, and dementia have been the top causes of death in Alberta for about the last 20 years. And even at its height, deaths from COVID in the year 2020 was uh, in number six position. And in 2021, it was in the number three position. Of course, that's high, but it was never the leading cause of death in Alberta. But look at this. Isn't this unusual? Unknown. Unknown is now the number one cause of death in the province of Alberta. Number one, more than cancer, more than coronary heart disease, more than dementia, more than all those other things. Unknown. Is it really unknown? Or is it more they're not allowed to say, do you really believe with all the public health experts and the epidemiologists and all the studies that they just don't know why people are dying? Well, here's a viral video that our next guest put together that is full of that same sense of wonderment and curiosity and bafflement. Why are all these young, healthy people, people who are, you know, in the elite athlete stratum of health, why are they all dying? Take a look at this video. You'll see why it went viral immediately. It's brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch, sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360, brought to you by Pfizer. So th that brought to you by Pfizer stuff goes on for a, a long time there. They play like so many clips. So I, I gave you three so you can get a taste. We don't need to hear them do it like 10 more times. Now... Notice how he jumps from this, like, unknown thing to, like, young athletes dying. Nothing, like, the unknown people, they're not, they're not all young athletes who are dying. I also should say, before I ask you this question, which is that COVID, if you get rid of the unknown, in 2021, COVID was, was the second highest cause of things that will kill you. Mm-hmm. That is shocking, or at least indicates that, oh, maybe COVID is a really bad thing. But he somehow uses the fact that it wasn't number one as like, well, therefore, who cares? It was the second leading cause of death. Or third, if you count unknown in, in his life. I just, I love so much that he's like, oh, yeah, the number one cause of death. So therefore... You know, the largest cohort of people who are dying are dying of unknown things. And it's the athlete, the professional athlete level of health people. So, you know, it's young people in their late teens, 20s, maybe early 30s who are dying at the largest cohort in his mind. Yep. What? Not old people? Like, 
You know what's also fascinating? It was hard for me to clip this, but both of them were going on and on about like young athletes and like heart attack deaths for a large portion of this segment. And when I was trying to research to see like any indication here, the the only the only thing that I could find or studies, there were so many studies done like prior to the pandemic of an increased rise in heart attacks for athletes. So this is a phenomenon that like, again, predates the pandemic. I think on top of it is like, you can also think that there's other reasons why athletes might be suffering from certain illnesses, which has to do with say, uh, needing the competitive advantage by taking certain substances, uh, you know, there's other things that could be going on there other than vaccination that would, would be the, the cause of something like that. Professional athletes also known for never partying or doing hard drugs to celebrate anything. I ask you, what, you we heard the they're unknown. What do you think mm-hmm. that means? Jody, it's the vaccines that are killing people. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Well, that was the implication of the video, right? I should say it. He didn't actually say it, but what else do you get from that? The way he he mentioned that, right? It's a it's clearly an implication. The nice nurse, who is of course a temptress and a harlot, puts the needle in your arm, which is symbolic of emasculating you, <laughs> and then <laughs> your heart explodes. Right, uh, you know. I should have known this. Uh, you know, I you know I was just too tempted by the nurse that I yeah, yeah I was I was under their spell. I'm I'm sorry. You got I, pegged by that needle, <laughs> didn't you? It pegged me so hard. I. <laughs> uh, the thing that like so he he makes it out like oh what like we don't have staff available to like check out what these deaths are like we just seem to be understaffed and it's like. Yeah, in 2021, our medical system was stressed due to this thing called a pandemic. And so it was very difficult for people to monitor what every death was. Now, that being said, already, so this is the numbers for 2021, that unknown number, a third of them have already been defined. So the the unknown number has shrunk already as like they've determined what at least a third of them already are. And part of it is an ongoing process. So he can use it because it was like last year's numbers. Oh my God, they don't know? That's the same thing for almost every year as they slowly realize like what people died of. And also there's like communication errors between the various like forms of like accounting systems. So it could be that like on the uh, hospital system, they have those numbers, but it just hasn't been like entered into like the government database. Like they just haven't uh, cross communicated, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that's all this is. But he's saying that or or heavily implying that it is vaccine-induced <laughs> injuries. And the important thing to keep in mind is that it's not just the COVID vaccines because it predates COVID, the problem. It's all of them. It's all the va- every, every of them. vaccines? Yeah, yeah. Well? That's why they roll out the flu shot so often, you know? They gotta trap more in their net. Well, we'll get to it. I mean, it is part of Bill Gates's depopulation plan. So the other, so this, this part is just fascinating to me, given what we know about Ezra. 
and the the people who have supported him, at least we know in the past. Ezra's here going to complain about how there is this sort of like relationship between Big Pharma and certain media companies. And so here's how he spells that out. I happen to know, and I think you know this too, that that the I mean, I'm laughing. It's such a laughable conflict of interest that a senior executive of Pfizer is on the board of Reuters. I mean, yeah. the, the fusion yeah. of those two companies, right. it's an enormous conflict of interest. It would be like, I don't know. I mean, I, I can just only imagine if there was a senior Exxon executive on a fact check that that would try to discredit environmentalists. Um, right, you, exactly. You know, the, the journalistic world would not accept that. They'd say you're run by an Exxon executive. If there was a senior tobacco executive that would debunk criticisms of cigarettes, people would say, well, that's laughable. He's a conflict of interest. Even if you happen to agree with tobacco and oil, here you have the big pharmacy not even hiding their links to these fact checkers. And by the way, most of the fact checks are on the Pfizer big pharma narrative. It's just so weird. Of all the things in the world to check, they're obsessed with anyone who dares criticize. Um, Question. Yeah, it's, it's so odd yeah. to me. He's kind of right. Like, there's a part of me that is like, yeah, let's not have a, a Pfizer person on the board of route, like routers. Mm-hmm. Or routers. However the Reuters. <laughs> Reuters, thank you. Yes, I agree. But... Ezra sells himself as a media type. He's doing, quote-unquote, journalism reporting. And yet an extensive amount of their funding, even in the past, probably now even though we don't have access to that information, comes from oil groups. Like the Atlas. But Jody, are they on the board? There, you know, there's probably people on his board that are connected with oil. I don't know that for a fact, but it wouldn't surprise me. You don't know though, and even and even if they were, even if you agree with them, that was the best line. That was the like, <laughs> well, you know what's funny about that? I think it was like what was it, two weeks ago we had talked about the Atlas Network and how their number one contributor to the Atlas Network, which funds a lot of groups, including I think they were one of the groups that used to fund uh, the Rebel back in the day. They're also this their second biggest company funding is from philip morris and like tobacco and so like when i heard this i was just like is that for the tobacco buddy <laughs> did he even want to stipulate was like well you might still believe that smoking doesn't cause cancer like that is such a funny like line that they're like that's one of the funniest lines of like rebels ideology is the like None of them seemingly smoke, but they're still like, oh, yeah, tobacco. And it's just like the, like, the griftiest position they could be holding, I guess. Like, well, I mean, like, look, they're against Pfizer because they're against the vaccines because it's the thing to grift right now. And yet he wanted to back or at least distance himself from committing to the position that smoking is bad for you. Something that is universally fucking known. <laughs> he wanted to back off that. And then also, like, of course, the, the climate change thing, which is, like, destroying the planet and killing lots of people. And yet, you know, the fact that he has had oil money in the past means that he's unbiased because he's above it, unlike the, the Reuters people. 
I want Ezra to start vaping on stream. Directly into his, uh, he should have a respirator, but just vape. <laughs> I just want clouds billowing behind him from. <laughs> or just, he will have to, you know, to get him off of big tobacco, he has to smoke a pack a day. See, but no, because that would look cool is the problem. Okay, 10 packs a day. Let's. <laughs> He's got to finish. He has to have three cigarettes lit at all times. Yeah. While he's drinking glyphosate and uh, rubbing himself in oil products. <laughs> Just coated in Vaseline. I mean, if you're going to commit to these companies, commit to these companies. Come on. I Like, I don't know if how this would feel if I was on the outside. Because, like, if... if or if I was in their, like, in-group. Because it's like, if I... I'm sitting there listening to what they're saying. I'm getting a kind of anti-capitalist message, you know? Which yeah. is, and yet, like, for them, it's like, why would you silo to, it's like, I'm going to be this kind of, like, anti-corporate, anti-pharma monopoly, anti-all of that, but only for vaccines. Not apply that to any other company. I guess they apply it to media organizations, too. But beyond that, like, no other company is able to corrupt, ever. Never. Because no other companies have interests, Jody. Yeah. <laughs> they just do what they do by nature. The only lucrative thing that you need to, like, dupe people to sell it is vaccines. <laughs> yeah. Because everything else is real, Jody. <laughs> Dear Lord. Oil is real. You can see it on the ground. <laughs> Now we get the Bill Gates conspiracy theory. This is going to be a longish clip, and it's Ezra and Pearson sort of playing with the idea that Bill, Gla uh, Bill, Gates, Bill Gates has a plan to depopulate planet Earth, okay? So it's a longish clip because we're going to hear them set up the clip. You're going to hear them riff, and I want to be clear, like, Ezra, again, doesn't say it, but, like, the lead-in is pretty clear. He's accusing Bill Gates of wanting to kill people with vaccines. So <laughs> we're going to hear Pearson and Ezra sort of set up the clip. We're then going to hear Bill Gates' clip and then them respond to it. So it's a little bit long, but uh, it's a journey. We've had the last few years the most monumental example that we ever could have asked for that our government's Canada's especially. Oh my God, I feel so bad for you guys up there. That they hate the people. They hate us, and they don't care how many of us they kill. They really don't. It's all about the profit. And if you want to go even darker, it might not even be just for the profit. They might actually be trying to depopulate us. Hmm. So it's it's the most sinister situation you can imagine, and we're in the middle of it. And I don't know how to get out. Yeah, uh, you know what what you said there about depopulation. It sounds conspiratorial but let me play for you a clip of bill gates at a ted talk where he yep. says he comes up with this uh pseudo-scientific formula how do you save the world well he he comes up with a mathematical formula where he talks about the number of people multiplied by the amount of services per person and the carbon per service and he says you've got to get one of these factors in my human formula down to zero and listen to him say it. He says that we need to reduce population. If I mean, I'll let you listen to him directly. He says by 10 to 15%, that would mean by about a billion people. And really weirdly, he says, and I don't understand this, he says, 
Vaccines are part of that. Take a listen. It's an average of about five tons for everyone on the planet. And somehow we have to make changes that will bring that down to zero. It's been constantly going up. It's only various economic changes that have even flattened it at all. So we have to go from rapidly rising to falling and falling all the way to zero. This equation has four factors, a little bit of multiplication. So you've got a thing on the left, CO2, that you want to get to zero. And that's going to be based on the number of people, the services each person's using on average, the energy on average for each service, and the CO2 being put out uh, per unit of energy. So let's look at each one of these and see how we can get this down to zero. Uh, probably one of these numbers is going to have to get pretty near to zero. Uh, that's back from high school algebra. But let's, let's take a look. Uh, first, we've got population. Uh, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. But there we see an increase of uh, about 1.3. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know how a guy who says we have to get a billion fewer people in the world can also be the same guy who's the chief funder of vaccines and the chief protagonist of vaccines. I don't know if other people like Anthony Fauci share Bill Gates' explicit goal of reducing population by literally a billion people or more, but it is pretty creepy. Did you find what Bill Gates said creepy? I mean, other than Bill Gates is creepy. What, what about, like, was anything about what he explicitly said there creepy? No, it was boring. Like, I, I struggled to pay attention. That's why I kept, like, making faces in the camera. It was just him talking about stupid stuff and being like, oh, 1.3% or whatever, whatever. Like, uh, okay, dude. I mean, it's based on this theory that if you... Because notice, like, this is what he listed off of the things that would lower population was vaccine and better health programs. Yeah. And so you would think, well, what are are the health programs killing you? And it's like, no, this is based on the theory that if you improve people's well-being, they're less likely to have more children because they're more likely to think that the few children that they have are at least going to survive long term. So it's like compared to the strategy of just like, you know, you have many children and hope for a couple to survive. If you have vaccines, you know a few are going to survive, so you're less likely to have the whole bunch of kids. That's the theory anyways, and some of that is backed up by evidence, but that's all he's saying here. It's not you're going to vaccinate people and it's going to kill them, which, is that not what they were saying at the beginning before they played this clip? Yet, mm. <laughs> I mean, Pearson literally said kill, and then Ezra's just like, Speaking of the depopulation plan that you just described, which was Bill Gates killing people with vaccines, here's this clip that I have of Bill Gates saying that if we improve healthcare, people are going to have fewer children. If we improve healthcare, there's going to be a lower population, Jane. That's the equivalent Less of people murdering people with means vaccines, right? More people dead. What? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I gotcha. You did. You don't I even was, know how to respond. It's above me. I just. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's 
such a conniving plan. I just, you know, I don't uh, don't get it. That's how they get you, you know? Yeah. They make it so incomprehensible that uh, you can't do anything about it. That's why Bill Gates is winning. The other thing that's... Re- struggle <laughs> against humanity. The thing that I love about this, too, this is a clip from 2010. And so it's like... It's a TED talk that he gave. So it's like, how how come it takes him so long to implement his goddamn plan? Not only that, like this clip has been used by anti-vaccine activists for this. They've been using it since he said it back in 2010. So it's like when we don't have the die off, when no one's dying off from COVID vaccines and we're all healthy 10 years from now, they'll still be playing this clip proving that somehow he has a plan just around the corner bill gates will even be dead and he'll be used in like the facebook conspiracy posting of like look at these people who foretold the things to come in the past like it's disgusting and i hate it (laughs) the nostradamus of our times even though what he said was so innocuous and granted he's a creep he was friends with jeffrey epstein we're not fans of him but, like, at least get them for, like, you know, the, the bad labor practices, the monopolization, the, the being friends with the creepy pedophile. All things that I can get on board with. So did you got to criticize him for this? Whatever. I really hope Facebook doesn't exist by the time Bill Gates is dead. Me too. Me too. But now we're on to August 3rd. That's pretty much all we got out of that. I mean, once you get to Bill Gates is plotting to kill us with vaccines, what more can you say? It's hard to escalate from that. That's pretty much uh, That's pretty much it. <laughs> on August 3rd, Ezra opens by saying he wants to talk about how they are going to demoralize us. Okay? Now, already when somebody is speaking in they's... How many parentheses are on those they's? Uh, we'll we'll get to it. Okay. I mean, already, like, so I will sum up the game a little bit here. The they, from what I understand from listening in, in the entire context, the they are elites and academics who are being trained by socialists in order to take over the West through psychological warfare. Wow. I didn't know we were doing all that. (laughs) Good for us. (laughs) Now, I should pause here with what you're saying, because, like, the thing that annoys me with talking about things like psychological warfare is there's a fine line between, uh, you know, the normal day-to-day trying to convince someone of something and of like the the notion of psychological warfare which at least comes with it like a sinister plot or some like additional thing and so the thing that annoys me in the conversation we're going to get to is this notion that like some of these people are either sinister or being manipulated by sinister people for this psychological warfare plot Meanwhile, I'm like, these are people who just believe something and want to convince other people what they believe is true. True. So, of course, this is going to, he's going to go through a list of things that he thinks are part of the psychological warfare plot. 
And of course, a lot of it has to do with the, the, you know, the things that he is against, like trans and LGBTQ stuff. And again, it's like, is it that like wanting to be there for trans people and help them is because people genuinely of their own, you know, or learn volition of like, maybe these people are people, maybe we should treat everyone with respect. Or is it a socialist plot to demoralize society? You be the judge. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he begins. The, the first piece of evidence is that he says, the best source that you can find that we're being demoralized is the libs of TikTok account on Twitter, which basically goes through this thing where they just post a bunch of people, uh, usually elementary school teachers who are teaching pro LGBTQ material. And then the libs of TikTok account basically sends it to their followers to basically mock and ridicule these people and harass them. But Ezra thinks this is a good source of information. And, uh, he believes that they're, they're purposefully demoralizing us. So I am going to play this clip. The only thing I edited He'll play like a compilation of a few TikToks. I just edited out one of those because it was just music. And for the audio medium, that doesn't make any sense. Otherwise, nothing else is edited in this clip. I'm thinking about the word demoralized a lot. Do you know what I mean by that? You're sort of confused. Your confidence is gone. Your spirit, your belief, your passion is gone. You're demoralized. You don't really know what principles you hold anymore. What's right or wrong? Do you even have a reason to exist? I, I think those are some rough definitions of the word demoralized. And I feel like everywhere we look, there are strategic attempts to demoralize our entire society. I follow a Twitter account called Libs of TikTok. And it's just what it sounds like, samples of always young people, liberals, left-wingers on TikTok. And what they're saying in many cases, these Libs of TikTok, are teachers bragging about the crazy things they're teaching their kids. These days, mainly, they, they're non-binary and their gender identity is not what they think it is. Here's just a sample of libs of TikTok. And again, that whole Twitter account is nothing but showing what these left-wing teachers are teaching. Take a look at libs of TikTok. Happy Pride Month, friends. I've always considered myself to be an inclusive educator, but it's only been in the past few years that I put my words into actions. So at the start of a semester, I ask my students for their pronouns, a reminder that they are not preferred, but they are the pronouns that we should be addressing them by. And I also ask them to tell me if I can use their pronouns in front of the class, in front of other teachers, in what I call home, because everyone is in a different part of their journey and we need to be able to respect that. I've been doing some reading this summer, uh, and so I thought I would share a couple of books because you have a little bit of time left to do some reading. I also read Jack Not Jackie by Erica Silverman. Phenomenal read. So if you're a K-1, 2, 3 even, it's a really good read called Jack Not Jackie. Um, and I really enjoyed that, and I'm excited it'll be on our shelves in the media center this fall. Why is that being emphasized of on children of tender years. I mean, it would be weird enough to have such a sexual domination of content and curriculum at a high school or college level, but often this is in grade school. Why? What's the point? 
Why do we see these drag queen story times at libraries for children? Why do we see strip clubs inviting children? And what are, what, what's the point? Why are we trying to denature kids? We're, we're putting those kids in water that's too hot or chemicals too harsh, and we're denaturing them. We're treating them like enzymes. Just... <laughs> I... Those were the most benign TikToks I've ever fucking heard. Yeah. I really like the book Jack, not Jackie. <gasps> they're, sex- they're sexualizing our children and denaturing them. Yeah. How can you be up in arms about this? I, Or how could you even... Or like, what was the first TikTok? I ask my students what their pronouns are. And Ezra's response is... How are you sexualizing these children? It is just like so, so ridiculous and so detached from like any part of like reality or understanding. But it's also just like, I don't know. It sucks because it's like so much of it is like, oh, we don't want to teach our kids pronouns. And then people online will be like, oh, wow. Uh, you can't say pronouns then. Ha ha ha. Grammatical construct. Ha ha ha. English language. And then like, you know, wow, they're talking about how they want to kill off a group of people and you're being like, ah, grammar mistake, bitch. Like, I don't know. This shit sucks. No, I mean, like, it is It is heavy in that it's, I mean, remember, like, the context that I gave this, which is this is him He's going to associate those teachers in that classroom as engaging in some kind of, like, psychological warfare. Yeah. Which, again, if it's warfare, what do you do to your enemy? Yeah, exactly, right? Like, like we're on the verge of an extermination campaign, and... I don't know, it's like, oh, wow... I'm reading a book that's called Jack, not Jackie. And that's like, that's the thing that's like fueling it. And that's the thing that's like, oh, wow, they're sexualizing our kids. They're denaturing them. They're detaching them from nature is, I guess, like, I don't understand what, what that could mean in the context of a child. But like, yeah, no, it is like. You know, we talk about stochastic terrorism a lot on this podcast, it feels like. But this is, like, you know, it's a legitimation campaign. It's a, like, making sure that these people are viable and, like, acceptable targets. And a guy it, chased kids at a pride festival in our town with a two-by-four and then told the media to go listen to Rebel News to get the truth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and it's just, it's everywhere, right? Like... You know, it's in, like, it's in the U.S., it's in Canada, it's, um, I saw at least one example in Finland during Helsinki's Pride, uh, I saw, like, you know, it's, it's just all over the place, and, I don't know, like, it's just so... we're so close to it being so so bad and it just feels like there isn't anything being done about it and also that like 
it's almost too late in a lot of regards. Like it just, it feels like, you know, what is the solution now beyond responding when a massacre happens? There is a level, and I'm glad you took it down this path where it's like, I, I, I think the way some people respond online with the whole like grammar thing is like, like the thing that we just listened to is preposterous. It is so like it in stripped of the real world context. It is silly. It is just mm-hmm. like, this is what you're up in arms about. And so it's like, I feel like that causes like a sense of like, it's, it's hard to wrestle with the reality of it when they just look so absurd by even engaging in this. And yet it's whipping up their own base into this fury, which is going to harm people. A lot of people. Yeah. And it's like, it is hard to deal with that fact, you know? And the thing is, like, it's so hard to deal with it when, you know, for a lot of the people online, like, yeah, like, you know, everyday transphobia, if they are assuming these people who are responding are trans, is going to be a part of their daily lives, you know? Like, that's just how being trans is. But, like, you know, who is it going to hit first? these sorts of like this prelude to a terror campaign it's going to hit queer and trans people in like rural areas and those in like exceptionally poor areas first like it's going to hit those who are already on the margins of these societies that don't have you know the support networks that those in like cities might have or those just like in more liberal or accepting or like whatever places and you know like we can see it happening in rural ontario as well where like halton county and norfolk county and like a bunch of like the smaller town areas um had like massive backlashes to pride this year um there was that one homophobic mayor in southern ontario who like allowed a dude to just like yell slurs in city council and then was just like yep he's got to be able to say it and then has like refused to step down since and then there's like you know the numerous instances of like pride flags being torn down and like threatening notes being left and so on and so forth and like you know one what impact has that had on city queers for lack of a better term you know like It's one of those, like, those people will be gone or driven out of their regions, and then the cities will be, like, the last kind of safe havens until they are no longer safe. And it's, again, like, you know, nothing is being done. None of it. I I think, like, the one positive note is that, like, there is some sense, and, like, I don't know if you feel the same way, but, like, there is a sense in which, like, growing up, the world is way more, like, the world at large is way more supportive of LGBTQ yeah. people uh, than than it was when I was a kid. I mean, I was yeah. still of age when gay was a slur that people just threw around casually when I was a kid. Uh, I mean, same, but, like... It, it at least, like, I, it, to me, it didn't click until uh, I had an aunt that came out of the closet and then she heard me say it once just casually and like that was like just before i had started high school when that happened 
And like that was my first moment of realizing that, like, oh my god, all of society is just using this as a casual slur, and it's hurting someone that I care about. Like it was one of these like, I guess, formative moments for me. But like, it, I don't know. Like I just like, yes, that's still around. It's just like I think there wasn't even a sense of it of being aware of that uh, when I was growing up. Where like now there is, there is a lot more awareness and to it in part because of the teachers that he's trying to ridicule in like those clips too no and like you know there has been like on the ground there have been like even in these small towns like there have been pretty massive like showings of community support and like you know people coming out to try to make like make it known that this is like a safe place for queer and trans people to exist etc etc and you know not the case in all places, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I don't know. It's it's the dangers of both like the co-optation by, uh, you know, by capitalism, by liberalism, by like all of these things. And like the dangers of just existing out in the open, I guess, is that like, you know, yeah, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, like, a lot of it was more underground because it had to be. At the same time, you know, like one, it didn't keep them that safe, but it it kept it out of the public eye a bit more. And that meant that there weren't like, I don't know, I don't know. And like, even then, this is probably not historically accurate because, you know, it was much more individualized violence, I guess, back then. Whereas now it is be- it is feeling a lot more like group violence, you know, and yeah. that's that's the concern, I guess. And uh, yeah, I mean, especially because like it seems like if there's going to be violence, it's going to be on a much bigger scale, uh, which which we're seeing largely like attacking pride events and stuff like this. But yeah, yeah. So it's 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 a uh, not great. I told you it was going to be a rough episode. <laughs> And we're yep. not done, so we th- we covered the trans topic. Want to move on to racism? Perfect, of course. And, and that's just sexuality. What about race? Critical race theory being taught here in in Canada. Um, Canada has not a perfect history, but actually a very noble history when it comes to race. We were the destination of the Underground Railroad for runaway slaves from the United States. Canada passed a law banning the slave trade in 1793. We were part of the part of the British Empire that actually went to war against slavery and slave ships. Why are we then denouncing Canada as being racist? And the Emancipation Day uh, event the other day implied that Canada was a major slave-holding country. Why are we grafting on that foreign narrative onto Canada and trying to demoralize ourselves? I see that the NDP is demanding that all conservative leadership candidates answer the question, do you believe that Canada committed genocide against our First Nations? Yes or no? The NDP is demanding it, but the CTV is enforcing it. Since when is it a requirement to be patriotic, to be unpatriotic, Again, our history with Aboriginal people is not perfect, but a genocide to equate our own country to Nazi Germany, the most famous genocider of all? Yes. 
let's put to a side that that sh- sure make that comparison. It's like there's more like is is because the germ <laughs> because the Nazis did this one genocide. Therefore, we can't speak about genocide ever because it's always now going to be a comparison to Nazis, and that's just too e- extreme or something. <laughs> Look, I just I none of this makes sense because again, it gets to the heart of like how did how is so he he even admitted okay for a brief second that it wasn't perfect our relations with indigenous people okay how does saying that not demoralize us and yet admitting that it was a genocide. Now we've demoralized us. Like at what? Because like he made it sound at the beginning of what he was saying that any talk about negative things demoralizes us. We can't talk about any of that. We only should focus on how great we were when it came to racism. Uh, and even then, like that—that's a whole complicated history too, et cetera, et cetera. But like <laughs> the point being, he wants to frame it as like only talk about great things, say anything negative that demoralizes us, and yet he's allowed to say eh, it wasn't perfect. But you can't like actually say what truly happened. Then, then you're demoralizing people. Whenever this like topic gets brought up, I'm always just like, hmm, maybe it's time to read the United Nations Convention on Genocide, just to like remind ourselves what it says. Article 1. The contracting parties confirm that genocide, whether committed in time of peace or in time of war, is a crime under international law, which they undertake to prevent and to punish. Article 2. And this is the more relevant part that makes it kind of like, you know, you read this and you're just like, oh, there's no way that you cannot call this a genocide. And this works really well for any time that anybody's denying genocide of any kind, because you just read this and you're just like, huh, okay. In the present convention, genocide means any of the following acts committed with intent to destroy, in whole or in part, a national, ethnical, racial, or religious group, as such. A. Killing members of the group. B. Causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group. C. Deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part. D. Imposing measures intended to prevent births within the group. E. Forcibly transferring children of the group to another group. Was that all the points? Yeah. That that's 5 for 5. Yeah. Like It's so fucking easy. You read this thing on what the legal definition of genocide is and it's like, yeah, they made it very broad, almost like that was on purpose. But what you're not thinking of is that the UN are the socialist globalists that are engaging in the psychological warfare to make you think that that's what genocide is. Checkmate. You're just trying to demoralize us, Vienna. <laughs> who the fuck do you think came up with the word genocide? But the people who made the convention on genocide right after the Holocaust. Like... Oh, here you go again, comparing everything <laughs> to the Nazi genocide. <laughs> Whoa. What could have been unique about that massacre? 
Uh, yeah, no, it's- that warranted a whole new study on mass killings. Like, what could have caused the world to be like, hmm, never again? <laughs> I, I like it again, like the whole demoralizing thing. What, what is. How the hell does this demoralize you? Like, if anything, it makes you better. It moralizes you. It teaches you maybe we shouldn't continue the ongoing genocide. Or maybe we shouldn't do genocides in the future. That's a moralizing process, not demoralizing. Like, like as if there's like something innate within us that like we hear Canada did bad thing. And I'm like, oh, my identity is so wrapped up in my country that hearing that my country is hurt, I now am weak and will be overcome by an enemy. I'll just willingly let them walk all over me because I'm now weak and demoralized by the, the true things that happened in the past. I mean, like, and even if that is like... Like, taking the, like, oh, wow, they're demoralized in what? Support for Canada? Like, good. Yeah. What, what is, because, like, really, he's just saying nationalism is good. Like, just, yeah. Which is, I wonder, who who else was a nationalist? <laughs> oh, you making that comparison with the, the National Party of Germany again? It's, it's oh it's so annoying it's so annoying and terrifying that like i mean again he's setting up this up in the concept like here's the other thing if i want to make another comparison this is all under the rubric of it's a psycho psychologic war perpetrated by they who happen to also be socialists to like Brainwash the mouse masses, take them over, and demoralize you. Where where else have you heard that, Vienna? Now don't make the comparison though, Vienna. It's good that you stayed silent, because you almost walked yep. right into that trap. I have no comparisons to make, Jody. Everything is unique, you see. So as Nothing can be compared <laughs> to another thing. No. True. You're right. Ezra then goes on to say that we're also being demoralized in terms of how we talk about climate change. And he talks, he then brings up the, the tire people again, and this time cleverly calls them tire terrorists. So- <laughs> Tireists. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we get that. But he then. This is all building up to, like, I guess, the trump card, the evidence that this is happening, okay? And so he plays in full this nine-minute clip of a person named Yuri Bezmanov, who was a KGB agent within the the Soviet government, who defected uh, in, I want to say, the the 70s to, to Canada. He defected to Canada. He then had a, like, media career through, uh, he worked at the CBC, I think, for at least six years. And was one of these people promoting anti-communism and, like, how bad the Soviet Union was. Now, this nine-minute clip is from a 1984 speech that Yuri gave, or, like, interview that he gave. It's also worth noting that this speech 
has been like used in video games. I think uh, Call of Duty Black Ops used this clip to like promote the idea of like the Soviet psychological warfare and stuff like this. So it's like weird that it has a lot of like broad like like it's used in like more popular media. Although the thing that annoys me in listening to this clip is what Besmanov says is not that surprising. Like there's an element in which it would make sense. If you're the Soviet Union and you want to destabilize America, you might try to like confuse people, make them believe untruths so that like, you know, they might storm the Capitol on January 6th or <laughs> I don't know, you know, make them believe things that aren't, aren't true and that they can't tell, uh, uh, you know, fake news and, and all that fun stuff or uh, manipulate them. These things have happened. And I, and I, I, I did that ch- tongue in cheek because obviously I, d- I don't think that Russia propaganda in terms of Trump being elected was all that successful. But like there, there's similar aspects of them at least trying. I think my favorite examples was when they created Facebook events uh, that were like for like Black Lives Matter events. And they like booked them at the same time that like right wing people were holding Trump events to like cause chaos and stuff like this. <laughs> So we we know that Russia was doing that in 2016. Was it successful in making Trump the president? Probably not. But yeah, they want to destabilize things in America. Cool. So like Yuri was talking about how the KGB used to do that in the past. So a lot of people, including like liberals who want to criticize Russia today, also use Yuri's work to to make the analogy that I just made to Trump, which is why Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, this is all kind of silly. Because it's like, everyone does this. (laughs) It's not some sort of like specific Soviet thing to like mess with everybody. And it also shows you how like pliable this is because you could apply it to almost every situation. For example, in the nine minute clip, Yuri brings up as an example, Daniel Ellsberg as being used by the Soviets to promote psychological warfare. Daniel Ellsberg was a whistleblower who released the Pentagon Papers, which exposed war crimes in Vietnam. Yeah. Now, those war crimes were real. Is it is it like to Russia's advantage to then go look at the war crimes that America is perpetrating? Yes, it is. But that doesn't like mean that what Daniel did was bad or somehow like fed into like some psychological warfare. Like what is the conclusion you're supposed to draw there that like you must support your country at all costs, even if it means lying about war crimes? Yes. Seems a little there fucked are no up. War crimes. Never a war crime. So yeah. Who cares about Yuri? But Ezra thinks that this gives us keen insights into our current situation. And now we get to the point where, you know, the Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) Okay? Really? Yes. I mean, he does say something, like, he does say something, actually, I should stipulate, that Ezra does bring this up to say that, well, the Soviet Union kind of still continues because they didn't go through a process of denazification like Germany did. So therefore, they, they didn't go through a, process of decommunization so the communists are still in the government in Russia (laughs) he doesn't back that up with anything but uh, 
Vienna's look right now is is special. Interesting. So he still thinks that they're somewhat communist or something. I, I, I don't know how to interpret that. But he still doesn't think our current psychological warfare is coming from Russia. Ezra has a different target. But I don't think that the Soviet Union is dominant anymore. It's no longer exists as a country. Russia is at war with the West, you could say. But I don't think that other than its oil and gas weapon and its threats to its nearby neighbors, it is the total threat that it wanted to be when Bezmanov spoke on it. But I think the enemies of the West, the enemies of freedom, the enemies of American democracy and, and the allied West exist still. But instead of the Soviet Union as the alternative, maybe it's China. Maybe it's not a country at all, but a class. The world's oligarchs, whether it's Bezos and Zuckerberg or George Soros or the World Economic Forum. I mean, the World Economic Forum speaks about global domination, about infiltrating and penetrating governments around the world. Here's a man with a German accent named Klaus Schwab, but if he had a Russian accent and if he represented the Communist Party rather than the World Economic Forum Party, it would pretty much sound the same. Remember this? What we are very proud of now is the young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, Brazil, of uh, Argentina and so on, is that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, rece at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are a group of presidents for life, that's the, the World Economic Forum is, accountable to no one, talking about penetrating the world's governments and having a kind of global governance. How is that really significantly different from the Soviet Union? How is it any different than the Federalist Society? How is it any different than the Atlas Network? How is it any different than the family? How like all these other religious conservative groups that tried to get like people in places of power, almost like everybody wants power. Like what you're describing is just people trying to get power. No shit, bud. Yeah. Like, and again, to frame it as some sort of, like, it's a psychological warfare, warfare plot, which has to do with spycraft, and, like, and it's just a bunch of people openly admitting that people who, like, came to our, like, seminars and stuff eventually ended up in other governments, and how cool is that? Because we want power. We want our ideas yeah. to spread. It's also, like, whoa, if Klaus Schwab were a different person with a different accent from a different country and a different political organization... This would sound different, huh? <laughs> like, You're not allowed to make Nazi analogies, but I want to stress that this guy is German. <laughs> but if he were Russian... Then I like, would call him a communist. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. Like, it's just... Wow, different situations are different. What a... Thank you, Ezra. I would have never figured that one out. I love this idea that, like, anyone planning to do anything out in the open is automatic, like, nefarious. A left-wing group can be like, we're going to do this. And he's like, did you hear what they're going to do? How nefarious. And it's like, okay, yeah, people have plans and they want to, like, follow through on those plans. Everyone does. 
Why is that a bad thing? Unless like the next step is, here's why their plan is bad, but he never gets to that information. It's always at the surface level that it's like the mere fact that the left wants power is like bad in and of itself without explaining why and like, and why, like that's not secretive and it's not nefarious. Of course the left wants power. Yes, I want the left to have power. Correct, Ezra. It's not a secret. I want you to have less power. Yes. You're right. <laughs> you know what? Ezra's right. The left shouldn't be seeking power. We should be seeking to destroy it. That should be... Sure. You know, we get so caught up in the power game that we lose <laughs> sight of of the real goal, which is a world free of domination, not domination of the world. In the short term, though, that's not going to happen unless we have some political power. <laughs> Anarcho-Levantism. Forever. <laughs> oh my god. It's like I'm a left Levantist. <laughs> it's frustrating too. Like this reminds me as well, because it's like it almost like it, it, it this line of thinking like permanently locks people into like a conspiracy mindset. It's like everything is the conspiracy. And it reminds me of like end time like Christians, where part of like Revelations uh has this thing where like you know, when like the Antichrist comes into power, the first thing the Antichrist does is make things wonderful and beautiful and we all get along and it's all happy before he then like takes over or whatever. But what that means is every single time society starts getting better and better, they perceive it as this is the end times we need to fight it. Uh, <laughs> and so it's like it's built into like the religious fundamentalist mind is that Things can't get better because if they're getting better, then that must mean that the Antichrist is taking over and we must like rebel against that, which is fucked. Doomsday calls. Doomsday <laughs> calls. Now, Ezra also lists a few other ways they're demoralizing us. And of course, this kind of demoralization happens to be coming from a gay Jewish man. The real people whipping it up are not in Moscow. They're in New York and Hollywood. They're oligarchs. They're people who demoralize us through pornography, through gaming, through big pharma, through numbing us and dulling us. And as Yuval Noah Harari says, making us useless. So New York, Home city of with like... Noah Harari. <laughs> no, he's, I know, I he know. lives in Israel. <laughs> But but New York, like but famously, like high Jewish population. Yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. Right wingers think that dominated by Jews. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just you're not really allowed to just, make the comparison, Vienno. I'm not making the comparison this time. <laughs> I'm just. It's not a comparison to say he's anti-Semitic. Like. Yeah. No, it's it's amazing how, like, it's just, again, like, I hate, like, I don't even understand how they could play this game to be like, we're nothing like the Nazis. Let me repeat every single Nazi-esque talking point there is, but pretend that it's good, actually. But we're not Nazis. You're the Nazi. Yeah. It's brain-melting. And the fact that, like, the, the, the listeners are clearly, like... They're not able to, like, have that penetrate them that, like, what they're getting is just Nazi propaganda. 
say I think we might disagree on that one. Oh, well, okay. I think half I get and it. Half. half and half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think a, a good portion of them get it. No, they I know. Well, I, Otherwise, I think, it wouldn't be sarcastic terrorism, right? Like, what you know. I mean is, like, I think some of them aren't aware that that's actually what Nazis are. They think that the socialists are the Nazis. Like, they're like clearly, I think if they really had their brains sorted in properly, <laughs> they would realize. But those are the people who become the neo Nazis. You know what I mean? The, yeah. the ones who are a little bit more overt. Now, to end this segment, Ezra's evidence that the U.S. has been demoralized is, of course, a trans person in a military uniform. And while China gets more and more confident, we undermine ourselves. If you look at Rachel Levine in uniform, compare that to the Chinese military's actions around Taiwan the past few days, you know which is the demoralized country and which is the country on the ascent. Now, I don't know how that demoralizes us, Ezra. Why don't you spell it out? Like, like, obviously, it's clearly transphobic, etc. But it's, like, weird that he can't just say, we have trans people in our military, and that makes us weak, and so we're going to be conquered by China. And then follow that through. Why does having a trans person in the military make us so weak that we're going to be conquered by China when America still has one of the largest militaries on the planet? With more nukes than China does. Jody, you can't, you can't say it like that. You can't say <laughs> one of the largest. The it's largest. The largest. Okay, yeah, sure. It's the largest by spending, like, people really, I don't think, get how dominant the U.S. military is in terms of, like, spending equipment and, like, troop numbers because it's so huge that, like, to actually spell it out, just makes it seem like absurd because like the u.s's military spending is like bigger than the next like 10 countries combined like like the the police budget of new york is bigger than most militaries in the world it's just you know like to even like and you know Sorry, but it's just kind of like, you know, to even just be like, oh, they're one of the largest or like, oh, you know, to even like allow the field to sound like it is close <laughs> is just like so <laughs> I ultimately kind of like misleading, right? Because it's just like you get into that like, oh, you know, things are close to equal. No, yeah. nowhere, nowhere near. You know what that was? It was the the uh, lack of confidence in my brain because I was like, I I knew all the things you're saying, but then like a part of me was like, I didn't look up the fact before going live today. I don't want to commit to it. <laughs> but I yeah. was like, pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I knew that. It was just yeah. a lack of confidence. But yes, thank you uh, for for reiterating. Be that. more confident in your hatred. <laughs> Let that fire fuel you, even if you are wrong in the end. I just, it's yeah that whole that whole se- i will say hey look that piece started with transphobia and ended with him not dead naming someone so <laughs> you know there you go progress that is something
That that piece just uh, blew my mind. But uh, yeah, that that is a very icky segment. And sadly enough, the week continues to be bad. We we now get to the interview segment of the third. Okay. Ezra interviews some guy who is a UK bigot named Lawrence Fox. Have you ever heard of Lawrence Fox? He Never. apparently is some kind of actor who then formed a political party called the Reclaim Party, which describes itself as UKIP, but for culture. So UKIP were the big Brexit people led by Niles Farage, a bunch of bigots themselves. So now, you know, Reclaim Party is about reclaiming British culture against who, Ezra? Who, who do you think they're recra- reclaiming their culture from? Jody. Yeah? Lawrence Fox was married to Billy Piper. Yeah. I don't know who Billy Piper is either, so. She was the companion on Doctor Who? In fairness, I think they got divorced in 2016 or something? They they did, yeah. But... So maybe they got divorced over Brexit. I don't know. Because <laughs> that would have oh, been 2015. God. Yeah. I need to know. I need to look up. Yeah, I don't know uh, her politics. Okay. I don't even watch the Doctor Who either. So she's a Labour supporter. That's that's good enough. We're good. They we're do safe. have two Where's kids Tyler? together, though. So that's no. going to be a rough relationship. Maybe he got radicalized after she left him, uh, or he started getting radicalized during, and that's why they split. That that is probably my money is probably on that. Or it could have been one of those relationships which some people seemingly have where they disagree with politics and yet get married anyways. Never understood. I can't find... Do you do you want to hate this guy more, though? Because it gets worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? I'm reading his Wikipedia, so I'm already... Things are pretty bad. The main subject of the conversation is that someone was arrested for promoting hatred. And it turns out it was directly related to one of Lawrence's tweets which he proceeds to explain to Ezra. So Ezra had previously played this clip where the cops were arresting this guy for the the hatred, whatever that is. And it turns out that Lawrence Fox was actually the person who recorded this incident with the police. And uh, Lawrence is going to explain the situation. Well, actually, the the man's name is Darren Brady. He's a uh, decorated uh, military veteran from the light infantry in uh, Great Britain, which uh, 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 army regiment, uh, uh, army uh, battalion and regiment held in high esteem uh, in this country. And he, uh, it's actually my fault, this whole thing, because on the, on the first day of the Holy Month of Pride, um, I took a meme that had been circulating of these four progressive pride flags put together. And when they're put together edge to edge, they create the shape of a swastika. And I thought, um seeing as pride is about uh you know absolute obedience to this uh this uh, trans ideology and this progressive pl- pride movement uh i thought i'd I, i'd compare it to um to nazism essentially because if you walk down the main shopping street in london uh in in pride month it it is like a nuremberg rally it's just pride flags across the street and sure to form uh Twitter took me down for it, and I had to apologize to the great Twitter police. Lawrence just made the comparison that you're not supposed to make, yet Ezra 
says nothing. And apparently, the mere, the, the comparison is the mere fact that, like, you know, flags are on the street during a pride festival, that it's the equivalent of a Nuremberg rally. Uh, he said, you can openly call the Union Jack a symbol of fascism and totalitarianism on Twitter. You cannot criticize the holy flags. Yeah. And he did this just days after uh, the shooting in uh, Oslo in Norway at the Pride at the uh, queer nightclub. I don't know if you heard about that one yep. at the time. We talked about it on the show briefly. Surprised okay, yeah. that Ezra didn't bring it up because that one was done by uh, a Muslim extremist. Yeah. <sighs> yeah but again like we're talking about stochastic terrorism this guy is openly calling lgbtq people nazis yeah now just to to connect all the terribleness under one umbrella since this is one of those weeks ezra then wants to uh also bring in the one phobia we haven't talked about today islamophobia of course I wonder if these same police would show such courage in British cities like Rotherham or Telford or Rochdale or any of the places where literally thousands of young British girls have been raped on a systemic basis again and again and again by these rape gangs or they're sometimes called grooming gangs. I don't think that's a strong enough word. The police, according to government inquiries, say... They were afraid of being called racist, so they literally did not stop these industrial-scale rape rooms. But boy, they got time to go after. You say, you say there were seven cops in the end that went after this Facebook the team? End. Seven, eh? Yeah. Just to fill, fill in with the end there about the seven cops arresting this one dude for the hate thing. As you just said, there's a heightened awareness of uh, stochastic terrorism surrounding LGBTQ events. And so, yes... People calling LGBTQ people Nazis on social media might attract some attention by the police if they're thinking that you're going to engage in some kind of activity, right? Yeah. Now, he doesn't specify the the Muslim part of this, Ezra, in this segment, but this is an old talking point of theirs that goes back years, especially involving yeah. uh, Tommy Robinson. And if you go back in our catalog, we have an episode specifically where Ezra brings up a Quilliam report, which is supposed to be this sort of like definitive report about the, the rape gangs. Uh, and the reason why they use that Quilliam report is because it's by Majin Nawaz, who has blocked us on Twitter, uh, <laughs> who is, is Muslim. So they get to play this game of like, here's a Muslim also talking about these rape gangs. When... Any social scientist who's investigated these numbers is just like, what? what is a rape gang? How are you making these categorizations? None of it makes sense. It seems like you're just lumping a bunch of things together and calling it rape gangs so that you can create a xenophobic message to target Muslim people. Uh, it's So here's the thing is, were there rapes and were some of them caused by people who are Muslims? Yes. Did that amount to some sort of coordinated rape gang? No. Were there more rapes in these towns committed by non-Muslims? Yes. Does that make them a part of a rape gang? No. But somehow they go, the Muslims are doing it, it's a rape gang. White people doing it, it's not a rape gang. This designation doesn't make any fucking sense. Yep. 
But it's a dog whistle that he constantly brings out. And he's bringing it up here to be like, why are we attacking this guy who's uh, calling LGBTQ people Nazis when we should be going after these rape gangs when they, they are going after them? Just because a couple white supremacist cops are like coming out and saying stupid shit doesn't mean that that's true either. Because some of them are like, oh, we're afraid of, of these Muslim gangs or something. A lot of that is bullshit as well. Lawrence describes, so I guess Lawrence is on to promote as well. He's got a law advocacy group and it's, it's called bad law advocacy. And he says it's anti-political because it's just about free speech, which this part like worries me to a certain extent, because this is part of the bridge. This is like how they get people who are like on this fence by being like, we're non-political. Even though, like, I'm comparing LGBTQ people to Nazis, and even though, like, we're talking about Muslim rape gangs and all this, uh, we're actually anti-political because we're just about free speech. Everybody loves a little free speech. And Ezra mentions to him how the left used to like free speech, and Lawrence says that now they think it's a right-wing dog whistle. He then explains that radical leftists no longer believe in definitions. There are some traditional left-wing voters uh, who are very much believe in free speech. But the problem is, in the same way as you have in America, you have a very, very radical leftist wing of the Labour Party, which is, uh, you know, our, our equivalent of the Democrats in the States, who drive the opposition's priorities to the point where the leader of the Labour Party, much like uh, Katanya Chan what's her name, the latest Supreme Court judge, Jackson Brown, um, couldn't tell you what a woman is. So they, they've abandoned, not only have they abandoned free speech, they've abandoned the meaning of words, which oh. is a much more dangerous thing altogether. Yeah. And I was looking actually this morning on um, Wiktionary, uh, the, de the, the definition of the meaning of the word definition, <laughs> and that, that's that's quite interesting. It's a definition is a fluid sense of terms. It's like, no, it's not. That's exactly the opposite of what definition means. Definitions are not fluid, which is why there are, when you open up a dictionary, only one definition and there's no like additions added to the definition at all. Right? It's why just... new words never happen. No. Yeah, it's why meanings never change. Yeah, awesome. Language has been the same since the beginning of time. Yeah. Awesome still means to stand in awe of, you know, uh, like the gods and not of like you caught an awesome. God wave. Almighty, yeah. <laughs> I. Is it not just like the, the cherry on top that he couldn't pronounce a black woman's name? I didn't even pick up on that, I gotta say. He stumbles on Katanji Brown Jackson's name, butchers it, and then mixes up the Brown and the Jackson, and uh, then accuses her of not knowing what woman is, which is like the big talking point. But uh, I think he's also one of the people who was like going after Meghan Markle like the entire time yeah. as well. So he was, yeah. Um, yeah, it is very just like. I don't know. He sounded so smug about that. Oh, I looked up the Wiktionary definition of definition. I'm a clever guy. <laughs> like, fuck off, dude. Yeah. No, and uh, yeah, he's he's a raging bigot, uh, just a hardcore bigot. And Ezra ends by uh, saying that he likes the name Reclaim Party. 
because it's about reclaiming our heritage. Yep. Yeah. So now we go to August 4th. Moving right along. <laughs> this is this day is going to be a little shorter. Ezra discusses Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan. I don't have any clips about it. It's not worth like playing any. But I am curious what you think his position on this issue is going to be. So for those who don't know, I'll fill you in. Nancy Pelosi planned a trip to Taiwan. Uh, China didn't like that very much because they lay claim to Taiwan for their one China policy. So they decided to hold military exercises as she was landing in Taiwan. And it was a whole conflict of some sort. Uh, and then people were like, Pelosi, you shouldn't have gone. And then other people were like, China's bad for holding the military thing. It was a whole ordeal. It's now over. No one's dead. Or is it still over? Or is she still there? I don't even know. Because I, I don't care. No, she <laughs> she left before the military exercises started. Okay, so... Because yeah. they grounded like most of their planes and their like shipping fleet and their uh, fishing fleet as well to like make sure that they weren't interfering with the Chinese military exercises, um, just to make sure that there were no incidents that led to global war. But yeah, so Ezra hates Nan Nancy Pelosi, also hates China. So I'm curious wh where you think Ezra stands in this. Uh, I think that he's going to be mad that China didn't have the balls to get her. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a better take. I would, I would uh, respect that take just a little more. But uh, no, he is sympathetic towards Nancy Pelosi in this situation, which is not that surprising, uh, considering that he really wants to go to war with China. But he does say that, like, it's weird because, like, he fumbled, like, he, he wants to say that what Nancy Pelosi, she should have the right to go to Taiwan. It's great. But then as he's saying that, he realizes that Trump didn't do a similar thing. So he's like, well, the difference is he's like, Trump would have done it. But unlike Democrats, Republicans don't like war. So therefore, they wouldn't have done the thing, even though they have every right to do it. And it's OK that Nancy did it. Do you follow? I'm too caught up in the... Republicans don't like war thing. Yeah, they don't like um, war. Iraq war? I think about who's... Not Republicans. I mean, George Bush was a... Republican. It was like, it was like with a different accent. Yeah. <laughs> Republican. Afghanistan? Uh, oh, well, I mean, that did get support of, of both of them, so I don't... I don't know. <laughs> So did Iraq. Come on. <laughs> sure. You can't... I think there was a slightly more opposition. I think you at least got Barbara Lee to be against the Iraq war. She was actually against the Afghanistan war, too, I think. So um, kudos to Barbara um, Lee. But uh, let's just count the damn war record for a second. Um, ooh, that one's not looking too Libya, good either. Yeah, I mean, like, they're both uh, pro-war. It's just, like, weird that well, he, like, does this. Uh, Carve has withdrawn from wars and then gone back into those wars more that's the dems yeah. <laughs> they left sure. iraq they went right back in five years later they left afghanistan they left still afghanistan, assassinate people there. <laughs> still drone bombing yeah so it's the forever war baby yeah 
just weird weird takes all around but like i i was curious to see how he would handle that given that he hates both of them so yeah see i guess i guess like my prediction was kind of saying like i bet in or like i think he will think that nancy pelosi was like right to do it but i think that he'll be sad that china didn't take the bait and then have then the u.s didn't get to go to war <laughs> like that was kind of yeah yeah because it comes out as still like being against pelosi but also he was if he said this i would have clipped it but he was so close to saying that he wanted war with china so close he just didn't come out and say it or else i would have clipped it but he was he was he was edging it. he was just right because he was like oh, i want it i want it and then he just couldn't say it i could feel it i could feel the energy so Ezra is edging <laughs> until we get to war with China. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Because he was he was doing the same shit he's done before, where like he tries to make a difference between what's happening in Ukraine with uh, the Taiwan situation, and uh, you know, it's it doesn't make any sense. It's just it, it all just boils down to his overall hatred of China that he doesn't hold for Russia. That's basically it. Now we get to the interview segment, and it was very weird. I guess uh, David Menzies comes in for the interview segment, and he interviews someone named Chris Soda, who's running for city councilor of Windsor. He was initially denied being able to run for city council because he was not vaccinated. They then, like, had a pressure campaign, and eventually he was allowed. However, they stipulated, given the rules in the city of Windsor, that if he wins... He's not allowed to sit in the building where they're doing the legislative stuff. He would have to zoom in unless he gets vaccinated and then he could sit in the legislative building. And of course, he thinks that's a great affront. He should be allowed to sit even though he's not vaccinated, etc. You know, fuck his colleagues. He should be able to spread disease to them all he wants. Now, David has a different solution for City Hall. Which is, I have a clip, I'm, I'm actually not going to play it, we'll skip it for the sake of time. But his solution is basically, it should be the other way around. That, like, the people who don't want to be near anti-vax people should be the ones who stay at home. Which is just a really fucked up policy when you think about it. Especially if there's, like, immunocompromised people who can't get vaccinated, and you're now forcing them to make the decision to either stay home or come to this thing, because some asshole won't just get vaccinated. How small is the population of people who haven't gotten one vaccine? I don't know. Like 5%? It could be that Windsor has a policy that you have to be up to date, but I get the sense from this guy that he's just anti-vaccine. They also concluded that he's been banned from commenting on the local newspaper, which is why he feels like he can't like comment on this issue. Yet I'm like, why did you get banned from the local newspaper? They don't yeah. explain why. So, uh, people of Windsor are probably not going to vote for you, but don't vote for Chris Soda, people of Windsor. You leave Soda alone. So now we get to August 5th, and Menzies is the guest host, and he begins by complaining about air travel, and I don't care. So now we get to the interview segment, and again, the, the week ends the way it started, with a whole bunch of racism and bigotry. So, David Menzies is interviewing a rabbi named Neft. 
who had uh, difficulties getting the intention of the police after someone tried to break into their synagogue. Now, Ezra tries to push him to be like, was the attack uh, an anti-Semitic attack on your synagogue? And are the police like somehow bad if they're not helping you because they don't care about anti-Semitism or something like this? And Neft comes out and says that it was just a theft. As far as they know, it has nothing to do with anti-Semitism. It was just a theft. However, Menzies wants to to push the... I don't know, There's the, I have to make this about anti-Semitism, so I'm going to line. And this is how he does this. Well, you know, Rabbi Neft, I, I'm glad at least the police, as you said, are now treating this um, more seriously than... Yeah, the beginning. But I want to talk to you about another issue, and it seems to be the double standard when it comes to hate crimes or alleged hate crimes. A few years ago, it might have been just before you moved to Toronto, Rabbi, we had um, a Muslim schoolgirl who claimed that her hijab had been shredded by a man with scissors, an Asian man. And that story would later become known as the hijab hoax. It never happened. And yet, look at the reaction. You had a press conference set up by the Toronto District School Board. You had uh, a who's who um, in certain circles coming to attend that. You had the Prime Minister himself flying into Toronto to denounce Islamophobia. And it was all false. And when it, and when, when it was revealed it was false, the narrative was, well, yeah, it wasn't true, but it could have been true. So... That's why we should still uh, take this seriously. It was quite perverse. But here's an example of something caught on video. It's not a falsehood. It is someone clearly trying to break in. And it seems to be a nothing burger. Why is that, sir? Now, notice he's trying to be like, yes, it turned out that this hate crime wasn't real. Okay? But what does that have to do with a standard robbery at a synagogue? Like, what's the double standard? And he makes it out like, what is every, like, as if there wasn't the the mosque shooting or there wasn't the murder of the Afsal family? Like, you have to go to a hoax to make some sort of double standard? Like, there are other things that happened in this country that may make people, like, be aware of Islamophobia. Yeah, and the thing is, like, there have been anti-Semitic incidents in, like, recent memory a lot in Toronto, and those did get police attention because they were actual incidents of, like, hate crimes occurring, not a robbery. In this case, too, it seems like the argument from the police, which I don't think is a very good argument, is that they were understaffed that night, and so they didn't have anyone they were that was able. And I think part of this was because there was some other event happening that night that the police had most of their like units sort of dealing with. Uh, that's mm-hmm. at least what Rabbi Neff says in this conversation to explain part of what's going on here. However, this is... so. At the end of that clip we just listened to, he asked what Rabbi Neft has to say about this. And any respect that I had for Rabbi Neft at the beginning of this conversation is completely gone. Canadian 
culture, as far as I've observed, as, as somewhat of an outsider on the inside, there's this 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 hesitancy to offend people. Um, Canadians don't like offending people, uh, and I and I can see that those that are you know those that have the power also don't want to offend people, and that's exacerbated by the by the fact that the people they're afraid of offending they know will make a big stink out of even the most minor thing. Right. So, you know, if, uh, you know, you, you know, the, the, so if a bunch of anti-Semitic pro-Palestinian protesters rock up to a Jewish business like they did last month in Thornhill, they, those same people will criticize the police who came and, re- and responded as being Islamophobic for getting in their way. Mm. Right. And, and so so this 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 sort of pleasing the the the, the loud the loud crowd is what's kind of happening and, and, and you see it i'm saying the, the thing is is you're not gonna you will not ever see in this city or pretty much anywhere else jews riding mm. you know black lives matter black lives matter style uh because they're being you know because they're being under underhanded by their by the by their by their governments that doesn't happen people, and, and and everyone knows that we're not that kind of people we're not a victim we're not a victim mentality people we're people that that adapts sometimes we have to adapt with force and that's why you have the modern state of israel that has a strong army and that as you said today in the news israel is being now attacked in response to their preemptive attack knowing that someone's going to attack them and yet they're you know they're going to be they're the ones that that are being that are being shamed for it so everyone knows that it's not it's not that it's not just the it's not the jewish mentality to, to play victim and therefore we're we're you could say that we're a bit push pushovery what the fuck was all that I, there's so much there. But he basically said that black people have a victim mentality, which is why they riot. And, and then, and then on top of that, Palestinians deserve to get assassinated and their children bombed. Well, I mean, preemptively, yes, because yeah. there's we're not victims. We just have to preemptively attack you before you actually <laughs> victim. <laughs> but. Jews have rioted in Israel. That is something that has happened as well. Especially there was the destruction of Arab businesses uh, that happened uh, last summer uh, during the the attack on Gaza. So it's like it's just everything about this is so fucked up. I I here's so here's the other thing. The Thornhill thing. I guess people are like, "Oh, what happened in Thornhill? What is this weird scenario that he's concocted?" Well, a group of Palestinian activists tracked the location of a member, uh, an ex-leader of the JDL, the Jewish Defense League, which again is a far-right ultra-nationalist group that promotes Israel and is labeled by the FBI as a terrorist organization in the United States. It does not have that designation yet in Canada, but probably should. They tracked down where this guy lived and where he worked. And so they went and protested outside of his business as he was promoting other activities that were going to confront uh, Palestinians. So it was like a like a, a preemptive strike, if you were, uh, to protest this thing. And of course, they got mad at the police when the police like came in. And like Lisa Lanceman, because Thornhill is her riding, she had a tweet about how anti-Semitic it was for them to merely engage in a protest near some Jewish businesses. Uh for going after a member of the Jewish Defense League. So, great. Great. All of that was pretty much bullshit by uh, 
Rabbi Neff there. Yeah. I also should add, like, uh, you know, there's nothing much to, to clip from this thing because it's just downhill from there and the rest of this interview. But, like, Menzies at one point, again, plays the game of saying last year when there was the protests, uh, uh, pro-Palestinian protests while Israel was attacking Gaza, there was an attack in Toronto that was, like, edited improperly when it was first posted online which was made to look like Palestinians were attacking these people who were uh, labeled as Jewish because they were wearing Israeli flags. Turns out that those were members of the JDL, and they, in fact, were the ones who started that fight once you got the full context of the clip. However, David Menzies, even though he should know this by now because it's over a year year old now, we have all the footage, it's clear the JDL instigated that because they're, let's just call them what they are, a terrorist organization at least by the FBI standards. David Menzies says that the Palestinians were still the ones that provoked that attack on the show this week. So it's just, it's never ending. Like, and frustrating. And and notice like this whole week has been the gamut of all these things. Trans people, genocide against indigenous people, uh, Islamophobia. It's like, it was the whole gamut. They ran the whole fucking thing. Yeah. A lot of, like, anti-blackness, anti-Palestinian stuff. Like, they literally, they did touch on kind of, like, all of their big points this week. It's really... I'm trying to think if they've missed anything, really. Because, like, you know, they got in the Bill Gates stuff. They got in the Yuval Harari stuff. Like, they really hit all the big ones this week. I'm, I'm almost impressed they had the time. Like... It is really bad. Like I, like I don't know. Like like this. Like there's. I don't know. I had a sense while listening to it. Like this was an escalation. It felt like an escalation. I was just like bombarded. I don't know if it was just like the sense that I listened to it in like one sitting and yeah. try to get it all. But it, it felt like an escalation. Uh, no, it's a lot, and it's all like I don't know. It, it kind of gives the impression that it's like oh, it's all around you. Oh, the. The danger, the people who will want you to make eat bugs and own nothing and yada 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 and get vaccinated and you know they're all there. It's all connected. They're all they're engaging you. in psychological warfare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To manipulate you. Just and it's they yeah. who are doing it. They who live in New York and Hollywood. And our Yuval. <laughs> yeah. This one dude. Oh my god. They who are connected to major financial institutions. Don't don't you even fucking make that comparison, Vieno. You're not allowed. <laughs> You're not allowed. That's nothing to do with Nazism. That is plain old regular degular anti-Semitism. That is not oh, who 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 were anti Semites, Nazis, and since Nazis were anti Semitic, you're not allowed to call anyone else anti Semitic. Checkmate. It's not as good when you do it. <laughs> Thank you.
read a book, touch grass. <laughs> That's my stuff for the week. Like, we're both doing that. We're going on vacation. I'm gonna have to edit yeah. this. It was a bit long. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a lot of books. I'm gonna touch a lot of grass. I'm probably gonna get bit by some mosquitoes. Uh, go do all of those things. Run to your local swamp. Get chewed up. I want to see a moose. Yeah. I'm hoping there's can. a moose on my trip. I'm kind of hoping there's not. On yours? Yeah. You'll be fine. I'm at least going closer to the moose habitat. Where I may... No. What do you mean, no? I'm going to a wildlife preserve. Like... Oh, I thought you were just staying in and around the like North Bay area. No, no, no. We're going up north. There you have it. I mean, I'll, I'm in Algon- uh, Algonquin. That's there's moose in Algonquin. Yeah, they're both they're both naturist preserves. Anyways, we're gonna have fun. You have fun as well. Sorry, it was a bit heavy this week, but uh, I, like I don't know. It just I feel like it's important to at least document this. Like uh, like it felt like a barrage of just like terribleness that uh yeah again uh, i just i i've been reflecting a lot lately about the guy who in town was like listen to rebel news they tell the truth and it's like thankfully this time it was just some guy whipping around a two by four and like no one got hurt but like this this isn't good people are listening no. to this shit you know so uh stay safe as well homework for the week listeners Learn three new kinds of trees. Go stare at some oak leaves. Go stare at some maple <laughs> leaves. Look up what type they are. Download iNaturalist. Well, and on that note, if you support and enjoy what you've heard so far, uh, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at imperial news with a Z. We have a Discord set up. We will be doing Twitch streams again in the future. You can find videos on the YouTube channel, and all the links are in the show notes of this episode. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at masontickle.com. Thank you for listening. And tires! You cancel. All vehicles will traverse on skis. That's the other homework. Go invade. Go engage in terrorism. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields?